0: Greetings in Our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a covenant renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording.
1: Our call to worship today is from Proverbs chapter 22 verse 10 it says cast out the scoffer and contention will leave yes drive and reproach will cease the scoffer scorns at God he ridicules God's ways and mocks his very providences it's implied that he sows discord and makes mischief wherever he goes the scoffer construes everything to the worst he despises and derides everyone that comes their way, and takes pride in bantering and abusing mankind. Wicked men love to hate. They surmise evil of others. They slander and whisper. They justify themselves. They despise others, for they ne- never see any good in anyone else. They enjoy hatred and lies. And they worship self, sacrificing even friends and family for self-gratification. They killed their conscience and their compassion. This proverb begins telling us what to do with scoffers who cannot be reclaimed. It says, cast out the scoffer. It it calls us to toss him out of our society as Ishmael, when he mocked Isaac, was thrust out of Abraham's family. The commentator Matthew Henry wrote, those that would secure the peace must exclude the scorner. In Scripture, James contrasts this wickedness with an antidote, which is wisdom from God and the, and the fruit that it provides. This is from James, chapter 3, verse 14, and on.
2: But if you have bitter envy
1: and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, it's then peaceable, gentle, yielding to fruit, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This reminds us of our own need to confess our sins. I invite you to kneel where you are, if you're willing and able.
2: They uh, were in Acts chapter 14, verse 8. They fled from Iconium because the Jews and the Gentiles were trying to get them uh, stoned there. They were trying to throw rocks at them. And Paul and Barnabas fled, and they fled to Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area because they created division in Iconium. And of course, the text left off with them preaching the gospel. In Leicester and Derby and the surrounding area. And the verses we look at today, we'll see that the first, we'll see the first presentation of the gospel to the Gentiles proper as a group. Cold. We've already seen the the, the uh, presentation of the gospel to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, but he had yeah, God had sent him a vision. He was a God fear. Um, we saw the presentation to the goth, of the gospel in Cyprus to the to the, the ruler there, but this is where uh, Paul comes cold to a, a city of Gentiles, and he uh, proclaims he proclaims the gospel without going to the Jews first. And the reason for this is that apparently there was there was no synagogue in Lystra. There, there were some Jews there, but they, there wasn't enough to have uh, a whole synagogue. So Lystra was a, a Lycaonian town, it was about 20 miles south of Iconium, and it was uh, less civilized than Antioch, and so, so remember we're in modern-day Turkey and Antioch was directly north of Cyprus, and then uh, they traveled 80 miles east, uh, probably it's this way from your view, so 80 miles east over to Iconium, and now they traveled 20 miles south down to uh to Lystra, and the, and the town was Lycaonian, which means that the uh, Lycaonians were a tribe, a, a, a historical tribe that, that that were from the region of Anatolia, which is a, a name of, uh, of a, a place in Turkey, the, the Anatolian Plain. And so this was an Anatolian tribe that was was in the region. It, it was governed, of course, by the Roman Empire, but but it was uh, largely uh, they were from a native, tribal, tri- uh, a native tribe, and they worshipped the Greek gods Zeus and Hermes. And their, their Roman names were Jupiter and, uh, and Mercury. So, uh, and they were somewhat superstitious, as, as we shall see in our text this morning. This doesn't stop Paul and Barnabas from preaching the gospel. They show up in, in Lystra. And here are all these uh, natives worshiping false gods. And they come in and they they proclaim the true God. And they proclaim the gospel because it's powerful to save both in the metropolises of the world, in Antioch and and in Rome and in Jerusalem, as well as in the backwater villages like Lystra and, and Nazareth. Because Jesus is Lord over all of it. And God calls all men to repentance and faith. So Paul and Barnabas start out by preaching the gospel and and healing a lame man. Acts 14 verses 8 through 10. And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting. A cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, this is exactly what we should expect to see when we see Paul preaching the gospel. <laughs> this, is, this is a, it's a theme in, 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 the, in the presentation of the gospel in the book of Acts so far. It's presentation of the presentation of the gospel in, in the gospels. At the start of his ministry, Jesus told John the Baptist that when remember John sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, Are, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And Jesus told, told the, uh, John the Baptist, Look, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, and the dead are raised. So, yes, I am the Messiah. And and, and we saw the same thing when, when God said. The Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the next, the next day, Peter and John go to the temple and they go out and go there to preach the gospel. What do they do? They, they see a lame man who was lame from, he was 40 years old and lame from birth and uh, they healed the lame man in the temple gate. And, and so, and then here, right here, Paul starts to minister directly to the Gentiles and we see the same proof of the power of the gospel the lame walk. God makes the sick whole. God heals our illness. Our our, our he, he he gives us life for death. That's what that's what the gospel is. And and he uses these miraculous signs to prove the power of the words that Paul is speaking. To prove the truth of what he is saying. He's 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 showing God is using this miracle to show to the people that Paul's talking to that it's worth listening to what he's saying because there is health and life there. Now, this is not to say that healing has to be present in the presentation of the gospel. I mean, we're not like Benny Hinn. We're out running around slaying people in the spirit and making everybody act like they're feeling better. Um. And getting this whole emotional high. That's not what this is about. And it's not to say that if there's no, you know, miraculous healing, that there is no Holy Spirit. Um, For instance, and we have proof of this from the text, because every time that Paul goes and preaches, that's not what happens. I mean, it does happen here. It, It did happen in Jerusalem. It did happen with Jesus time and again but not every time like when paul went to pisidian antioch that's the antioch he just came from before he went over to iconium he didn't he didn't have miraculous signs and wonders he didn't have he didn't have healings of a layman that were told about he just he goes there and he preaches in the synagogue and they, and they love the message, and they say, "Come back next week." And the Gentiles are begging him to come back next week. And he comes back next week, and the whole town shows up, and, the Gent- and of course the Jews get jealous, and, and, and that's, that's how the story goes. But we don't—it's not God's not healing a layman there to prove the, the point. Not according—I mean, that's not how the, the narrative of the text is going. And, and when he gets to Iconium, he preaches the gospel in the synagogue again. And, and, then, and then the Jews uh, counter, counteract him, and so there's division. And some people side with the Jews, and some people side with the apostles. And God, God grants by the Holy Spirit signs and wonders to be done by the hands of the apostles. But it's not necessarily miraculous healing, just signs and wonders. He's proving that this is the Word of God. But here we have a miraculous healing. And last year the Gospel comes here, and we have... A miraculous healing and so all that goes to say that the Holy Spirit is the one who decides and who ordains what and how these things come to pass what comes to pass and how these things come to pass if we look a little closer we'll see how, how, how the Holy Spirit works even in this text that it's not just uh, automatic first he works by the preaching of the gospel he, he works by speaking and hearing. So, Paul shows up in my Lystra and he comes preaching the gospel. And in verse 9, we read that the man heard Paul speaking. He heard, and he heard something when well, he hear Paul speaking. So, Paul preached Christ, and the cripple could see through the medium of words the truth behind them. He heard... He heard words, and but but and, and Paul was speaking words, right? But what was Paul? Paul was trying to communicate something. He was communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, God become a man who has power to heal and save. So the the gospel works through words. The power of the Holy Spirit works by means of the word. Jesus is the word. God communicates to man. And what he communicates is truth. And that truth is mercy, grace, and life. So the first thing is that the the gospel comes and the the Holy Spirit works by speaking and by hearing. The second thing we see is that the Holy Spirit works by faith. Paul and the cripple had faith. Paul had faith to speak the gospel. He was speaking of things that you can't see, and yet he firmly believed. So Paul, and this is what the text says, Paul seeing that he had faith to be healed said, stand up, and he leaped and walked. So the cripple had faith. Paul could see his faith by by means of the spirit. see the cripples faith by his faith and by faith he commanded the cripple to stand up and walk he by faith he can he can, Jesus tells us if you have faith as a mustard seed you can tell this mountain to be cast into the sea so Paul had faith the cripple had faith in and, and the evidence was in the outcome because that's the other thing that the spirit works through he works through words he works through faith and he works through reality through truth what actually happens The cripple was really healed. It's evidence of the faith and evidence of the truth of the words. This was not a sideshow. It wasn't forgery. It It wasn't a trick of the eyes, an illusion, or a magic trick. Our text gives three witnesses of our cripple's need. It reads, he had no strength. He was disabled from birth. And he had never walked. So the 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 text gives three witnesses that so he had never walked, he had no strength, and he was disabled from his mother's womb. And despite all this, in reality, he leaped and walked. It was evidence. It was just like the lame man at the temple. It was just like Lazarus when God when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It was just it was in Disputable, irrefutable truth that God was intervening in the world. So Paul brings the gospel and Paul brings the truth, and the people of Lystra witness the truth. Verse 11. Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. So Paul brings the truth. He brings the gospel. And that's exactly what the people of Light's Trust see. They see the gospel at work. And this is the gospel. God has come down to us in the likeness of man. God became a man and he saves men. Yet in the people's reaction... We must recognize that they don't understand the gospel that Paul's bringing. The reaction is powerful and strong. They correctly recognize the power of God. And yet, here's how they react, verses 12 and 13. And Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands. To the gates intending to sacrifice with the multitudes so here we have zeus and her uh, zeus and and her. And Hermes, or Jupiter and Mercury. Some Bibles use the Latin names of these gods, but these were these are two key gods in the Greek pantheon and the Roman pantheon. And the pantheon is just the the, the council of gods that they worshipped. They were they were polytheistic. They believed in a whole group of gods, and they believed that the gods were coming down to them in the likeness of men. They thought that Paul was Hermes, and Zeus was. Or Jupiter was was Barnabas, and and the, the reason for that was is twofold. One is those were the gods that they worshipped in their town. Those were the those were the gods that they were particularly that was that was who their temples were were. Uh, the, the different towns in the Greek world would would have temples to different uh, gods and goddesses. It's so like greatest Diana of the Ephesians. Well, in Lystra it was Zeus and Hermes, and um, and then the other thing that, that, that why they, they made these pairs is because the text tells us is because Paul was the speaker. And according to the, the Greek pantheon, Zeus was the head god, and Mercury, or Hermes, was, was the, the god who had little wings on his shoes. He's the one who brought messages everywhere. He's the, he was the communicating god. So Zeus was the god of the sky. He had thunderbolts in his hand. And he was the god of power, the, god, the, the, the chief god in their pantheon. And Mercury was the one who was, he was running flitting about here and there, spreading the message. He was, he was, he's communicating for Zeus. Now, of course, to us in our day and age, this sounds very superstitious. But this was the culture to which the gospel came by means of Paul and Barnabas. Now, there's no question that what Paul and Barnabas were doing was was miraculous. This isn't everyday stuff. It was, there's, there's something more going on here than one plus one equals two. This is God intervening in the world. They've, they've healed a man who was lame from birth. And he, he went from cripple, lying on the side of the road, to leaping and walking. That's that's not normal. (laughs) So Paul and Barnabas were doing miraculous works, and the crowd's interpretation was ironically an accurate description of the gospel. (laughs) The central declaration of the gospel is that God has come down to us as a man, right? That's, that's That's what we believe. Jesus is God, and he is a man. The problem here is in the idolatry of the people of Lystra. They're open to new revelation. They they want to believe that the gods are talking to them. They're open to that. They're open to new teaching, but they want to syncretize it with their existing idolatry. They want to mix it into their pantheon. And that's not okay with, with the apostles, but we're going to get to that in a second. There's one more explanation why this, this kind of makes sense. There's a story in Greek and Roman mythology, uh, from, which we know from the, the book Metamorphosis, which the, the Roman poet Ovid wrote, um, and it, it, it helps explain the reaction of, of these people in particular. Uh, the Roman poet Ovid's book Metamorphoses, he relates a story of uh, Baucis and Philemon, who were an elderly couple. So Philemon was the guy, Balchus was the girl. It's a funny name. Um, And they lived in the region of Phrygia, which is exactly in the region around Lystra. So Balchus and Philemon lived in the region of Phrygia, which is the area of Lystra. And in this story from Ovid's Metamorphoses, uh, Zeus and Hermes impersonated men and came down to the people in the region of Phrygia, and they started seeking hospitality as strangers and they went from house to house to house to house until they visited a thousand households and nobody would entertain them everybody rejected them and finally it was balchus and philemon who and they went to all the wealthy people but finally it was balchus and philemon who who welcomed them into their humble cottage and said come out of the cold sit down and they fed them and they put them up for the night um and, uh, and everybody else rejected them. And in return for this, for their kindness, Zeus and Hermes saved Baucus and Philemon from a flood by which they destroyed everybody else. So they, you know, the next morning, early in the morning, Balchus and Philemon, they had them come up to the top of the mountain with them. As soon as they got to the top of the mountain, they sent a flood and destroyed all of Phrygia. And then they took their cottage and they turned it into a glorious golden temple to Zeus and Hermes, and then they granted Balchus and Philemon's wish of becoming the priests and or the 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 the, the administrators of their worship in the temple of Balchus, I mean the temple of Zeus and Hermes. So Ovid relates to us this story, and it's a morality tale. It's instructing the people to to you know you better show hospitality because if you don't, you may be rude to the gods. And invite their anger and ire and destruction on you. And so this was this was their story. This was the people of Lystra. This is what they believed in. And so here they come, and here's two two guys. Paul's the speaker. Barnabas is the, is, is the, the statesman. He's a, l- a little bit more mature. Uh, and, and they show up in town and they heal a lame man. These people they're attuned. They're like, "Whoa, we don't we do not want to invite the ire of the gods." Because this is what their gods are like. They're trying they're, they're trying to integrate their understanding of what the gods are like with what they're seeing with Paul and Barnabas. And this is to them what their gods are like. Their gods are petty and vindictive. They 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 don't care about the people. They demand much, and they must be appeased because they don't have a deep-seated love for the people. Instead, they care only for their own glory and fame. They're eminently selfish. The gods were just glorified humans in the way they they interacted in in, in their pantheon, in their world. And in accordance with, with with this, the people seek to worship Paul and Barnabas because they're afraid that they'll destroy them otherwise. Now, this is uh, not good. And and actually, this brings to, brings to bear another problem. And this is this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but there's a there's an issue with ministry, and that's for. Lead, you know, good leaders and uh, great leaders and preachers—the temptation to accept the praise of men. I mean, Paul and Barnabas—here they were they show up in Lystra. I mean, they could have been given a, the royal treatment. That's that's a temptation, and and, uh, and it's a temptation of people to work to, to, to elevate men to to, to to try and seek personality cults. In fact, later on in Corinthians, Paul specifically teaches against personality cults, and he accuses the Corinthians of aligning with Paul or with Apollos or with Christ and creating unholy division in the church. But here, that's not what we see. Paul and Barnabas rejected outright. We see Paul and Barnabas and their faithfulness to God and the gospel. They, they do, This does this not even slow them down one iota. They... We see their faithfulness when they implore the people to see reason and to understand what the gospel truly is. Paul and Barnabas stress that they are not God's, but they are merely God's ambassadors, men who have a message from God. Verses 14 and 15. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. So, now first, notice their passion. Paul and Barnabas are truly distressed about this false worship and the failure of the Gentiles to understand the meaning of the miracle. Of the healed lame man their message starts with repentance and public humility I mean, they're not acting like the gods that these people are expecting they come with with a bowl and garlands, and they're going to sacrifice the bowl to them and and what it, it causes them to run out and tear their clothes and and bemoan i mean to repent for on behalf of these people just, just whatever they can do to get them to stop this foolishness they're passionate about it um, <laughs> their message starts with repentance and public humility they tear their clothes and they publicly suppress the priests and the crowd's impetuous offerings they say why are you doing these things and then they go on to present the truth of the gospel to these idolatrous gentiles They they don't just run away, they don't say, well, you guys are too, (laughs) forget you, (laughs) you don't get it. No, in the synagogues, they preached the gospel, and they started with the scriptures and Jewish history. Remember, the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles were recipients of the promises, and they knew the revelation of the scriptures. And so, when they went to present the gospel to them, they, they... grabbed their heart by by telling them the things that they already knew and believed and, and affirming those things. But this is not the context here. These people don't have the scriptures, and they don't believe in the history of the Jews. Here with the Gentiles, they have a similar approach, though, and they start with common ground. They don't go to the scriptures, which Gentiles wouldn't recognize, or to history, which they had their own histories. They appeal to shared humanity. We also are men with the same nature as you. What they're saying is, hear us out. We are the same as you. And listen to us because we have a message for you. Yes, we're we're sort of like, I guess, Hermes. We're sort of like that because we do have a message for you from God but we're not gods. Don't don't sacrifice to us. Just listen to what God says. Then they say, "We preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God." So, they're making a, a bold declaration of the falsehood of their of their worship, their gods. They're blaspheming the Gentile gods. Boldly they say, that their worship is false and they are wrong because Paul and Barnabas are not gods but neither are Zeus and Hermes that's that's dangerous talk in a town that's built around the worship of Zeus and Hermes um so they say don't this is foolish this is waste don't do this Instead, turn to the true and the living God, because he is God over your so-called gods, Zeus and Hermes. He made all things that your idols claim to control parts of. Zeus was the God of the heaven, or the God of the air. What's Paul say? Paul says that um, the living God who made the heaven, the sea, the earth, and all all things that are in them. So Zeus was the God of the air. Hermes was merely Zeus's messenger. But the living God made the heaven, and he also made the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then Paul explains why they are deceived. He's saying, okay, this is a big pill for you to swallow. But he, but he explains himself a little bit. Verses 16 and 17. Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In essence, Paul is saying that God, for his own purposes, has allowed the nation's freedom to make make up their own explanations for the existence and the workings of the world. He's just turned them over to their own desires. Nonetheless, he is still God, and he was kind in all that. He didn't destroy them, and they owe him gratitude for rain and food. They don't owe gratitude to Zeus. They don't owe gratitude to Hermes. They don't owe allegiance or worship to them. God has given that, all of these things to them, and God has revealed himself in his creation, and he's been consistent, good, and generous Filling our hearts with food and gladness is the verbiage that Paul uses. That's glorious. This is a new thing. He's, he's saying, this is the message from God. I'm not like them. I'm love. I'm kind. I'm good. I'm generous. I care about you. And in this, Paul is again asserting the shared human experience, along with new revelations. The shared experience is God's providence. He's given us rain. He's given us food. Sun and rain on the just as well as the unjust. And what is the new revelation? It's that God is not only bigger than Zeus and Hermes. He is love and he has come in Jesus and he offers free and eternal life. And yet they still struggle to keep the crowds from false worship. Verse 18. And with these sayings, they can scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. So this is, this is, this is where Paul and Barnabas are left with their message of the gospel to the Gentiles. They can barely keep them from sacrificing bulls and, and, and worshiping them. But now we have one of the most abrupt changes in storyline that you will ever see. The crowds go from worshiping Paul and Barnabas to trying to murder them in the very next verse. Verse 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So we go from, and these with these sayings they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them, to then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. What a flip-flop. Impulsive, impetuous, these people are crazy. Again, the Jews come and intervene in the spread of the Gospel. Last week in Iconium, we weren't told that it was Jews that had come from Antioch who intervened intervened there in Iconium. But in Lystra, it's clear that the Jews are following Paul and Barnabas in order to counteract their ministry coming to Leicester they make quick work of turning the fickle crowd from adoration and false worship of Paul and Barnabas to unjustified and impetuous murder next thing we know Paul is stoned and dragged out of the city supposedly dead and here we again see the stark contrast between faith and unbelief when Paul comes with the gospel what does he bring it brings life to the lost health to the sick. He comes to Lystra and the lame man is healed. And how is he repaid? With death. In the demonic darkness of these Greek tribal peoples, having the gods come to walk all over them was preferable to the free grace of a loving God who brings life and promises of resurrection. They would rather have Barnabas and Paul be Zeus and Hermes, taking their goods and their worship, walk all over them, than have them come and proclaim a gospel of free and abundant life. They believed the lies of the Jews because they were comfortable and they didn't want to change the status quo. Nonetheless, God is sovereign and the gospel must go out. So he determines the hour of death and he delivers when he wants. Verse 20. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Paul's hour has not come. His work is not done. And he heads to Derby. 60 miles east of Lystra. So again... So we went from Antioch 80 miles east, Iconium to Iconium, south to Lystra 20 miles, and now another 60 miles east to Derby. Still in the region of Lyconium. So he goes to Derby to keep on doing what he does, which is bringing the gospel, bringing life, spreading the love of God to the lost and proclaiming truth to those who are lost in, in darkness. Moreover, the gospel sticks in Lystra. His work was not in vain. Paul comes back and encourages the brethren who believe. Later, Paul will meet up with Timothy, who was a native of this region, a native of Lystra and Iconium. He was spoken well of by the brethren there, which is what we'll get to in chapter 16. And so we see that the gospel is powerful for life and it saves. And God is good. So let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and this morning we saw the changeable nature of sinners the mobs of Lystra can't be stopped from sacrificing to Paul and Barnabas and then the next thing you know they're murdering Paul and tossing him out with the trash by nature in our sin we are prone to extremes extreme and false love and extreme and false hate the antidote to our blindnesses and prejudices is God's constant, powerful, and never-failing love. His grace overcomes our extremes. As Paul saw in Lystra, it's a dangerous thing to love, but it's also the greatest thing, and in the end, it's the only thing. God is love, and because He is love, He died for us. And because he died for us, we live and know his love and learn to love as he does, sacrificially. In this meal, we celebrate Christ's sacrifice and his love because it is here that we are reminded of our life. We are reminded of our baptisms and our union with Jesus. We are called to live at peace with God and our brothers. And to die with Jesus to ourselves that we might live for God come eat remember and believe Jesus died for you and Jesus loves you Christ's body broken for us let's us pray
0: Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County if you would like further information about anything in these messages the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWingle through our website, christkirkmi.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I dot com. Again, thank you and blessings.